ethnic cleansing, divine fashion sense, and a chicken farmer, all on this episode of the Booterverse. Guten Abend, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Booterverse. On today's episode, Jeremy Porter, sustainability expert and chicken farmer, joins us. Judy Scheinbaum answers his questions, and we have some Booter thoughts for you, all on today's episode of the Booterverse. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by Rotisserie Chickens. Rotisserie Chickens. There's nothing like taking a bird, putting a skewer up its tailpipe, and setting it on fire. And now for news in my orbit. It's a miracle. India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi, recently hailed as a fashion icon, swears it's not his hand plucking the hangers from the closet, it's the hand of God. God has gifted me the sense of mixing and matching the colors, Modi says. He claims his penchant for pattern and color is really the divine working through him and expressing his love of fashion. Oh yes, Modi went on, God is a great lover of chalkstripe especially putting with a nice paisley pocket square. Blue will make the angels sing for 2015, but make sure it is with nice indigo. God is quite done with the navy. Modi, who changes his handmade shirt several times daily to coordinate with the backgrounds of the places he's appearing publicly, says God once told him not to speak at the Taj Mahal because against all that marble, that day's lavender would be washing me out. It also seems that the perks of being God's fashion plate apparently extend to his portions. Since I am God-gifted, I am fitting well in everything, Modi says. He never needs a diet or a tailor as everything conforms to him like magic. But not everybody agrees the Indian premier's style is heaven-sent. A suit with his name lavishly embroidered in the pinstripes was widely lampooned, and his choices of headgear are frequently suspect. One fashion columnist likened them to the parade of finalists at the World Napkin Folding Championships. He's free to wear what he wants, and if there's a divine connection, so be it, she quipped. But I don't see why we have to blame God for everything. Now to American politics. Senate Minority Leader Harry Reid has been wearing sunglasses since the beginning of the year, due to an eye injury he says he sustained while exercising on New Year's Day. The buzz on Capitol Hill is that he has been cozied up to presidential hopeful Rand Paul, an ophthalmologist, for advice and encouragement during his recovery. But after Reed was found sobbing in the restroom of a D.C. nail salon, a very different tale has begun to emerge. One of elder abuse, blackmail, and kosher wieners. Reed now claims that the junior senator has been locking him up in a Capitol broom closet, punching him in the face, and force-feeding him Hebrew nationals. And honestly, who bruises themselves like that on a cabinet? Reed allegedly said, I've always got a shiner, so I wear the glasses. What was I supposed to do? It all apparently started when Paul approached Reed saying he wanted to, quote-unquote, reach across the aisle, then lured the Nevada senator into a deserted hallway, cold-cocked him, and shoved him in a closet. Reed's confidants say Paul has threatened to expose sensitive information about Reed's involvement in a potentially scandalous venture if he doesn't go along with the game, which Reed says is like Fifty Shades of Rand. It's disgusting, one insider says, putting a former majority leader in Superman underwear and slapping him in the face with a tea towel from the Senate dining room is just not done. 
If this is the face of bipartisanship, who needs it? Although some might shrink from going public with news of such victimization, Reed insiders say he's glad to unburden himself. People were making jokes about the sunglasses at night song all the time. He'd rather people know he's literally getting bitch slapped by the tea party than to think he likes that song. After all, he's always been more of a Brian Adams fan. In entertainment news, one has to ask, is your skin looking a bit sallow lately? That touch of water weight getting you down? Advice is everywhere, but you might want to think twice before asking Gwyneth Paltrow for her help. The actress-turned-lifestyle guru who dispenses penetrating wisdom from her website, goop.com, is a little flushed after a recent flap. Paltrow, in a gushing blog post, encouraged her few dozen loyal readers to try a hot new thing called an ethnic cleanse. And that's when the emails started. I had no idea why everybody was trashing me, Paltrow said. I mean, I'm just not used to that. But they were saying things like, is that my idea of a joke and all? I had no clue. I thought the phrase, get rid of toxins like you get rid of tootsies, seemed harmless enough to me. Paltrow went on to say that she had been seeing headlines for years about ethnic cleansing, and thought that if it had been in the news for so long, it must be something good. Something, she said, probably involving weird juice and steam cleaning of one orifice or another. I'll admit I didn't really read up on it. I just suggested that my fans look into it. It could have been the hot new diet for spring. But once she started doing some research, however... Paltrow was shocked. So many dead people, she said. I guess if it had been a real thing, Oprah would have been all over it. But if just one person dies from liposuction, you never hear the end of it. She admits to being terribly embarrassed and plans to issue a formal apology on her website in the days to come. I honestly thought curds were just some sort of foreign cheese dish. You know, I'm not a monster. We here at the Booterverse understand that Paltrow does plan to visit a refugee camp, saying... I love camps. I just need some R&R from the Hollywood life. And that's been it for news in my orbit. Hey, it's Glenn McDougall here for Sandpaper. Sandpaper, you don't want to get that in your shillelagh. And now it's time where Judy Scheinbaum answers our guests' questions in a segment we like to call The Last Lung with Judy. Judy, take it away. Oh, hello, Emery. It's so good to see you. Jeremy Porter, you're here in the studio. Thank you for joining us. I hear you have some questions. Ask away. I do, Judy. Uh, Judy, you know, you, you strike me as a woman of um, wisdom. Having had much experience, I'm wondering if you had deeper connections to to farms or to agriculture or food when you were a child, maybe your parents or your grandparents, uh, what what was what was food like for you when you were growing up? Listen, sweetie, food for me was lovely. It was a lot, and let me tell you, if I could hide it in my support hose, I would eat it. If you know what I mean. Ah, oh. uh, yeah, I think I do. Did you wear a support hose when you were a young child? Listen, a woman of any age should wear a support hose. I think you know this. Listen, you have your wellies. I have my support hose. It helps us undergird ourselves for the world ahead, and I love them. That's great. What, what was your favorite meal growing up, Judy? I must say my favorite meal was a trip down to Nathan's to have a little hot dog, but don't tell my rabbi. Mm. What, uh, well, it could have been a kosher hot dog, possibly. Of course, because, you know, as a Jew, I do observe certain, you know, laws of the diet, but not any diet, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because you don't want to diet, 
Too Abs- much. Absolutely not. Look at my physique. Why would you want to die at this? Uh, right, yeah, which is why the control support hose. Right, less Judy equals less love, and I think most men don't want that. Yeah, uh, more Judy, more love. I could imagine, although I don't want to too much. Listen, uh, sweetie, imagine what you want. I'm here for you. Oh, well, thank you, Judy, for your <clears throat> openness. You know what, Jeremy? I am here for you. What's your next question, sweetie? So, my next question would be, did, uh... Was there is there something that you enjoy cooking or making? Of course, I like making love. Huh. And uh, you could do that on a stove, on a bed, on a couch, on the floor, wherever. It's a very easy meal to make, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do. Depending on who you're with. Well, that's absolutely right, sweetie. I've had a little bit of a chunky stew sometimes, but you know what? It's nice to eat. That's great. Listen, I don't discriminate. I think people know Judy is lovely and open and a beautiful person. Hello, spread my wings, America. I'm glad you like spreading your wings like a healthy chicken. There's a lovely rooster in my backyard. I'd be happy to have you meet him. Does he crow as much as you do, sweetie? Well, I crow quite a bit, and I enjoy bumping my gums. I bet you do. Yes. Next uh, so another question: What what is your view then on kind of food and health and even nutrition? Well, I think if you're healthy, you're probably nutritious, and if you add some bacon, you're even happier. Mm. Uh, that's great. It sounds like you've had some health issues in maybe your recent life. Just hearing your voice and the way that you talk, wondering if uh, food has helped you to. Maybe make some healthier choices, or... Sweetheart, the packs of Pall Malls make me make better choices. Listen, there was a time when I used to smoke. I think people know this. It's a struggle still today, but you know what? Every day is a good day. I'm so glad to hear that, Judy. And, you know, I would love to share one of those hot dogs with you sometime. Sweetie, if I needed a bite of your hot dog, I think I know where to find it. Oh, well... Thank you. What do you like on the hot dogs you used to get that you didn't want to tell your rabbi about? Mustard or slaw or pickles? Oh my god. Do you know about the slaw dog? Oh, please tell me. I love a good slaw dog. Now, seriously, if you ask me on Saturday, I won't know what you're talking about. But let me tell you, sweetie, a slaw dog is the best. You put some you know, coleslaw on a hot dog or a, you know, brats, and it's beautiful. So, uh, you know, from the Hebrew Bible, would you compare yourself more to, you know, maybe um, Deborah the judge or or maybe uh, Esther or uh, maybe another, you know... Um... Listen, I've always seen myself as more of a Rahab. Huh. What is it about Rahab that you're particularly drawn to? I'm not going to say she was a whore. But I think she was a, actually a whore. Okay. And you know what? I put myself out there much like those women of the night, and I want you to know I support you ladies. Oh, that's great. Because, you know, Rahab, by putting herself out there and welcoming the stranger, she was welcomed into the family of God. You bet she was. Hello. Invited a couple angels into her tent, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, even in the lineage of Jesus, which is kind of amazing. But apparently in this day and age, who isn't? I mean, 
I mean, come on. Yeah. Everybody's claiming that. It's a universal family. Come on. Hey, you a universalist. Uh, I'm not going that far. This is my turn to ask you questions. Oh, sorry. No worries. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for the conversation, Judy. Sweetie, you are a gem, and I think people know that. And seriously, get your hands out of that chicken shit. You're going to be happier. Thanks. And you know what? I'm glad to be counted as the 14th gem in the Buddhaverse. Come on, you know that you are. This has been The Last Lung with Judy. I love you all. And we'll be right back, right after this. Today's episode of the Buddhaverse is brought to you by Lip Balm. Lip Balm. I don't know how they got it from those balm trees, but I'm sure glad they did. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Booterverse. I'm sitting here with Jeremy Porter, a man who likes his fingers in the dirt as much as he likes them in his wife. Jeremy, it's great to have you on the show. Wow, glad to be here. That's the best intro I've ever gotten. Jeremy, you're a man of the soil, nonprofits and whatnot. How did you get started? Wow, you know, it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Mm, um, soil you like. <laughs> oh, Planting indeed. you do. Yes. And uh, I was uh, moisture farming on Tatooine. Ah, yeah. as one does. As one does on Tatooine. And uh, I did some stuff on Tatooine. We can't talk about it, though. Yeah, probably with the huts, I imagine. I don't like to talk about uh, it. Okay, well, we won't talk about it. Um, no, so uh, I grew up a suburban kid in a rural county in western Kentucky and uh, did not spend a whole lot of time around farming or anything like this. So this is basically a rags-to-rags rags story. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much all farming stories probably would be, unless you wind up owning thousands of acres and trading futures of soybeans on the Japanese stock market. Mm, my kind of afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I figured agricultural capitalism is right up your alley. Oh, a lot of things are right up my alley, but that's uh, one of the few. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, and uh, I was thinking about food and um, really actually reading uh, Wendell Berry, you know, Great the poet. Poet, farmer, uh, essayist. Yeah, so some Wendell Berry. Uh, anthropology also was a part of my background and training and thinking I could go and learn to live in other places. But if I then I realized if I didn't know how to live well here, then uh, maybe it'd be hard to live in other places well. And so uh, food and agriculture and land and soil kind of popped up in my interests and so I had a tiny little garden in my backyard. Mm. Do you ever feel judged because your garden was so small? No, I'm not a size queen because um, it was way more productive than, you know, somebody who might have an acre. And so, uh, you know. How do you know this? You can measure it by, you know, the productivity. You know, there are doctors who, you know, take and say, you know, there's so many viable sperm in this uh, drop. And in this drop, there's not as many. So if you could do that with sperm, sure, you could do that with a garden. Always give it up for the sperm doctors. Yes. And the sperm donors. Yeah, you know, I mean, why not? We all have to give our seed sometime. <laughs> we do. Just depends on where we give it. That's true. <clears throat> Speaking of giving your seed, how productive was that garden of yours? It was uh, It was so productive uh, that I learned what I could and could not grow. And then I started apprenticing on a small-scale farm um, because I figured... Why not learn it from folks who've been doing it a while? You've got a big hat. I do. I have a couple of very large uh, straw-type hats, one of which I received from a cattle farmer in um, West Africa. Did you my... steal it from him? No, it was a gift. Oh, lovely. Yeah, my wife grew up there. 
and her father was uh, doing agricultural development work, drilling deep water wells and things. Mm. Um, so you come from a, an in-law sort of environment where they like drilling deep wells. They do. Do yeah. they find that you measure up to those well diggings? Yes. Uh, even calling me, you know, Mr. Cartesian. It's it's quite amazing. I love a good Cartesian spring. You know, I only drink water from Fuji. Or is that Fiji? No, Fuji. I like the Japanese. Oh. They've got a lovely apple. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well... Do you raise chickens? Oh, I have 12 chickens in my backyard. Oh my. Is that called a roost of the, chickens? N- no, it would be it's called, called a, flock. a brood. A flock? They're not a brood. N- no, you would brood baby chicks, ah. and it could be called a brood of chicks. I see. Uh, yeah, but that's a good try. That's a really. Uh, for I'm a trying man of, here. For a man of brick and reinforced steel, I'm quite impressed with your knowledge of the words that might be appropriate. Listen. Just because I don't garden doesn't mean I'm not a man who appreciates a nice garden when I see it. That's great. Just because I don't dig in doesn't mean I don't care. Well, I know how much processed food you eat, so that's okay. Listen, I'm an American. If food isn't processed, I just assume people didn't try hard enough. Yeah, it's kind of like the chicken that I saw that's being raised in Mexico, shipped to China to be processed, and then sent back to the U.S. I thought, that's the kind of food that the booter would really love. Absolutely, Jeremy, because I like my food to be world travelers. I want my food to have the same experiences that I have. I mean, I love eating sushi off the coast of Shanghai knowing that that sushi could have been raised in Chile. I love that about you. You are a dying breed, and I'm really grateful that there are still some like you. You know, it's like an extinct species. We need to protect you and to make sure that there's still a food system out there for you to feed the the ecology around your being. Thank you. It's really important. Thank you. I like to eat moose in Zimbabwe. Great. I like to eat kale wherever kale isn't grown. Excellent. So basically where no hipsters live. Ah, well. Which is basically in poor places. Indeed. That haven't been regentrified. I was going to say, there's the gentrification, colonization sort of issue. Oh, regentrification. (laughs) Jeremy, I always felt the chickens had a free ride. Talk to me about this. Okay, let's uh, bring it back to chickens. Why do I want to support the lives of chickens? Because I feel like they're just living off the land. They're just free riders, free roamers, free takers of the things that have been provided. Mm. And I think here at the Buddhaverse, you know, I don't believe in that. Chickens need to pull themselves up by their own feather straps. You betcha. And uh, really be able to rise with the rising of all boats as, as the tide does lift. Why can't chickens fly? So I think... Uh, They're just not trying hard enough. They're birds. Birds fly. It is against their very nature. You see, sir, they're trying to keep themselves in the situation they're at, and I don't support that. Laying eggs for the man. I don't support chickens being indentured like that. I support chicken suffrage everywhere. Good for you. I'm so glad that you're all about chicken rights. I think that chickens need more rights, and, I mean, they are producing things. I mean, eggs, and they're growing meat on their bodies for us to eat. Mm. And their bones Mm. make a great broth, and their feet can be shipped to China for edibility and i mean there's all kinds of good things. i assume they use the feet for glue but maybe that's just me the feathers are made for you know feather meal for large agricultural kind of operations so how do they use that that sounds like fun yeah i imagine they dry it and grind it up and mix it with you know 
all sorts of other you know uh, strange and weird things but and think, where does that put it puts in the soil yep yeah it's 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 good fertilizer uh so it's kind of interesting feather meal is a is a soil additive that's a thing it is a thing we're eating feathers well why can't we fly it comes back through the soil mm. so one would think if we're eating it it would you know make its way into our genetics and alter our genetics and then we would have feathers fly like an eco i think genetically modified foods are kind of working in that direction mm. they could make us fly one day so basically we're creating our own x-men why should we stop because that seems like a great thing to me. Where's my adamantium? I'm Wolverine. Uh, well, if you remember, Wolverine didn't get the adamantium because of his uh, special mutant powers. It, he, that was part of a scientific experiment. So it was genetics and science. Ooh, yeah. I like his hybridness. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? Mm. So which, uh, what other powers would you like if, uh, if you ate more GMOs? Mm, great question. I would like to be invisible. Mm. And go through walls. Nice. Well, I could see that. Or have a big megaphone or... for a mouth. <laughs> <sighs> <clears throat> could I say wish granted? <gasps> Can you say wish received? Oh, thanks. So I think chickens really do pull their own weight. You think they pull their... Are they like Malamutes? Have they ever run the Iditarod? They've not. But they've stood for national and international competitions and cockfighting i love that now i know it's illegal in some places but if you go down to and i think you lambasted them but i love the peruvians they take their cockfighting very seriously and if you know me i like two good cocks in a fight well like the anthropologist clifford geertz said i don't know what he said but he wrote a great story about a cockfight and about how he got to know the people of a of some culture in the South Pacific. Hi, hey, I'm Clifford. Ge Excuse me, I'm Clifford Geertz, and uh, you're completely misappropriating uh, my research. Uh, what I said was that when the cocks got in the ring together, it brought the community together, and that's what I'm about. Ergo, I support chickens beaking the heck out of each other. He was really a big fan, mostly because he had a hard time being accepted by the community. As you would if you were an anthropologist. And I feel like, why aren't more anthropologists, you know, normal? Like me. You, sir, have chickens. And you have a farm. And you have a garden. And you have two straw hats. Not one, yay, two. Isn't two too much? Well... I'm... Are you overtaxing yourself? Are you indeed taking on more than you should? Should you not give one of your hats to the more disenfranchised? I'm a fan of conspicuous consumption. I love conspicuous consumption. Particularly for straw hats. Mm. Yeah. Why are owning chickens important? I think chickens are important because I, I say that good chickens, uh, well-kept chickens, make good neighbors. Do good roosters make good neighbors? I would say if your neighbors enjoy the sound of the country at 4.30 in the morning, then good roosters make good neighbors. Why don't roosters know how to tell time? I think it goes back to scripture, and Jesus talked about some cock crowing in the middle of the night, and I think that was just Jesus' way of Was saying, he a vegan? Was Jesus a vegan? Was that what he was saying? Well, I don't know that he was a vegan. I think he was just telling all the roosters that they could crow whenever they wanted to. I thought that was his way of telling the roosters to shut the heck up. Mm, 
I don't think so. I think Jesus was really giving them. Jesus was all about freedom. He was not really about shutting roosters down. He's so he loved America. He would love America. Yeah, sort of liberating. Yes, these America, freedom, power roosters to cockfight and. Jesus went to cockfights. Is that in in the Bible? Well, probably not expressly, but you could read between the lines of some scriptures, I imagine. I like always reading between the lines. The things you find there, enlightening. Yes. Speaking of enlightening, do chickens like lightning? You know, they like light. They're not a fan of lightning. Chickens are daylight sensitive, so that as the day gets longer, they will actually increase egg production. And... As the days begin to get shorter, say September, October, uh, they begin to go through a molting season uh, where they shed their feathers and they don't lay any eggs so that they can kind of regrow those feathers and continue to be, to maintain their health. It sounds like they're having an emotional upheaval. It sounds like they're angsty. It's an annual menopause, essentially. Mm. And th- I think that would probably happen to anybody who was... Uh, uh, ovulating every 26 to 37 hours. Oh my. Yes, that's how often chickens do that. So it comes pretty quickly. I don't like to ever think of my chickens as ovulating. Yes. I so would... thanks for that. You're welcome. Anytime you eat an egg, that's what you're doing. What? Yeah, it's a no. chicken that's ovulated. I'm never eating an egg again. Well, not until you stop thinking about it. A deviled egg I'll eat, though. That's what I figured. Come on. Yeah. Those are delicious. They are. Do you have a special deviled egg recipe? You know, I don't. I love deviled eggs. My wife hates the smell of boiled eggs Hmm. or the taste of eggs. Can you tell me why they're called deviled eggs when red eggs are called pickled eggs? Ooh, that's another good question. I could make a conjecture. It. Yeah, I don't know. But isn't that a great question? You go find out, Chicken Man. I will. I will find out, and I will post that on the Facebook page of the chicken organization that I helped to organize. Jeremy, at this point in the show, we open it up to our guests to say whatever they would like to our audience. Anything that you wish to convey. Wow. So to the masses, uh, I would say that, uh, yes, I do enjoy being a man of the soil, and I would imagine that... uh, Folks out there are thinking about, you know, living green and questions of sustainability and ways that they can make their lives more connected to the earth and the plants and and, and chickens and animals and their food and the ways that we've been disconnected from our food system. And so I would just invite you to ask those questions with me and to join into this great search of becoming reconnected to who we are by knowing and enjoying our food and where it comes from and how we can share that in communion with others as one great planet. Wow, Jeremy, that was a lot. Probably too much. Maybe. But you know what? I want you to know that I was connected. I was connected an hour and a half ago when I went to the drive-thru and got myself some lovely food. And that's how I connect with my food source, in my mouth. I like to think of myself as a modern visionary, sir. A man who takes what's given and goes on with life. Hmm. Makes do with what's what, what, what I've got. You eat, drink, and be merry. Hey, listen. Tomorrow, McDonald's may not exist. You know what? May it be so. And on that note, we'll be right back right after this. Today's episode of the Beautiful Earth is brought to you by Pencil Sharpeners. 
That's right, take it from Marsha Houlihan. I know pencil sharpeners. Sure, it doesn't go as fast as a snowmobile, but it sure purrs as good. And now for Booter Thoughts. I'm going to take my Booter Thought and wax eloquent about candles. That's right, those waxy things that makes a woman's upper lip just seem so delightful in the soft glow of a candle. That's right, candles. What do they do for us? Well, just about everything. You can get engaged by them, have a seance with them, or simply light your way in a cave. And why wouldn't you want a candle? They glow for hours and by chance make you seem more romantic than you ever could hope to be. Sure, light a half a dozen candles, burn down a house, and a woman could be yours. That's right, candles. And what do you do with the wax that's left over? Why, of course, you can apply it to your upper lip and get rid of those unwanted hairs. That's right, a candle. For all seasons, for all humans, why wouldn't you want it? I'm just saying I'm not selling candles, but if I was, I know you'd want to buy one. They burn without electricity. They can burn with whale blubber. They can burn on the flatulence of someone who's three times your size. And why wouldn't you want that? The candle. Burn that midnight oil with what? A candle. Now I know you're thinking, why would a candle be right for me? Well, take it from the booter. When I light my candle, it really shows my softer side. Isn't a candle a metaphor for life? Sure, it starts wonderfully and big and then goes slowly down and disintegrates into nothing. What better metaphor would there be for a life waxing in the final hours? Don't you wish that something could so mirror your life that you could see it every day? Well, a candle can, and a candle does. So here at the Booterverse, we recommend you getting a candle for no other reason than to recognize your mortality. And that's been it for Booter Thoughts. Here at the Booterverse, we'd like to send a special thanks to Jeremy Porter for being on the show. We'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Of course, we'd like to thank Courtney and Sonny, who help on the production side, and to Quadrants, who composed our theme song. If you haven't had enough of me here, I'm also everywhere on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle The Booter. And of course, we're also on Pinterest, because, you know, men should be on Pinterest? I know interstellar travel is a bit difficult, but the Booterverse is only a click away.